couple of times, and uh, so we'll let you set for that. But before we get started, I, I, I want to preface, you know, there, there's some things, and probably pastors shouldn't feel this way, but sometimes we do, uh, you know, we need to hear about giving, tithing, and offering, but there's something that when a pastor gets up, it just almost seems somehow self-serving, but there are powerful things that are attached to our giving. Now, you can breathe easy. I'm not talking about giving, <laughs> but, but I am talking about submission. I'm talking about submission, and before I go any farther, it's not that pastor and I have been talking, there's great division in the church. There's not. We don't know of any. But this is something very specific, I felt, for this particular service. In fact, uh, we're entering a, a week of prayer and fasting, but it was very emphatic Friday night in prayer that God began to speak to me these things. And I thought, well, God probably knows best, right? And so I want to direct your attention, and you can remain seated, to 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 9. Because we kind of throw in at the beginning with some pronouns and may not know what's going on. Uh, I want to preface that that Saul, uh, who was not king yet, has went to look for his uncle's livestock, his donkeys, and been told that Samuel will have some answers for him on how to find them. And uh, in the process, some powerful things happen. He's anointed king. And so here we are in verse number nine. And it was so that when he had turned uh, he had turned his back to go from Samuel. God gave him another heart. So he placed inside, after the anointing came upon uh, Saul, there was something changed inside of his heart. I, I would call that anointing. When, when God began to move, there was anointing that came upon him. And all those signs came to pass that day, all the things that Samuel had said. Verse number 10, And when they had come thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and Saul prophesied among them. So Saul was not a prophet. Saul was just an everyday guy. And here come these prophets, all these. This is the elite. This is the, the who's who in the evangelistic world if we were in the modern day. And all of a sudden, this nobody who's a nobody from nobody comes up to him, and he just starts just prophesying. And uh, they, they're blown away by that. Uh, and it came to pass that all that knew him beforehand, this verse number 11, all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. He didn't just prophesy. He prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, what is this that has come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And verse number 12, and one of the same place answered and said, uh, but who is their father? There is, there it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? They were just confused. How is this powerful anointing, uh, this prophetic word now upon Saul? We know who Saul is. We know who his daddy is. We know where he grew up. We know everything about him. What, what is going on now? And, and I'm going to present to you that what is the beginning to Saul's reign is his submission. And before we go any farther, I'm just going to, we're going to pray that God would speak to our hearts, that whatever He would ask of us, we submit to that. Is that all right? Can we pray that right now, Lord Jesus? Lord, we pray for the next few moments as we begin to get in Your Word. I pray, God, let Your power descend into this sanctuary, God. I pray, Lord, that You not only open up our understanding, but God, as we answer Your call and Your directive, that there is a powerful anointing that settles into this place. And I pray upon every heart that there is a change, God, that regardless of how we came into this place, that there was a renewing of our hearts and of our minds and of our thoughts because of an anointing that begins to flow in this place today. Lord, we submit 
to you and to your will today, we pray in your precious name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So again, as I've already said, that Saul was out looking for livestock for his uncle. He was uh, just part of the family. It's just something he did. You could tell that there must have been something about him that was somewhat of a servant's heart. There was something special that God, no mistake, Saul messes up, but God saw something inside of Saul that said, this is going to be the very first king of Israel. And, 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 and I'm going to present to you that largely this is that servant's heart. He, he just desires to serve. And, and so his ability to follow as God is directing and his willingness to follow is what God sees. And God says, I'm going to anoint him. He places an anointing on him. It changes his heart completely. He suddenly steps into a realm that he's never been before. And it is because of submission to the spiritual authority of Samuel. Samuel says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what's going to happen. And he prays for him. And Saul says, yes, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever you said, Samuel, I'm going to submit to that. And in that submission, God anoints him and it changes his heart, his thought process. And there's a powerful spiritual being that becomes where there was not. It blew everyone's mind. They said, Is this, is, didn't he come from Kish? Is, uh, uh, do, do we not know who his parents are? We're, we're confused. How can this be? And it's because he submitted to that spiritual authority. And so why is that important? Why is that important? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We'll get back to that. I'll hold that for a second. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, we're not good at denying ourselves. We find that out in fasting, right? Uh, we're not always good at denying ourselves. Uh, and, and, and sometimes we even confuse what fasting is even about. I'll just put this little plug since we're coming into that. Uh, fasting is not so that you can gain some great uh, thing in your life in the next promotion on the job. Okay. Is that new for some of y'all? Let me stay here for just a moment. When we fast, we are denying ourselves. We are denying our flesh what it desires. Well, which one's going to grow more, the flesh or the spirit, whichever one you feed more? And so a time of fasting is we're denying the flesh so that the spirit may grow. Now, a, a benefit of that sometimes is as we get into that, as the spirit begins to grow, there's new spiritual authority, and sometimes things happen. But that's not our first priority. When we fast, it is our desire to get close to God, to deny ourselves, to say, God, it's not what I want, it's what you want. It is the sign of submission. When we fast, we are submitting not my will, God, but your will. My body desires this, and I've always given in to my body, but this week, this time, it's going to be a living sacrifice. So God, I submit to your authority, whatever you would desire to speak to me. All right, that was bonus. It's our will. We're not always good at denying ourselves. In fact, this is uh, uh, denying self. Take up that cross. This is what the scripture says. Deny yourself. Jesus, deny yourself. Take up the cross and because that's a pretty good start. Let's be honest. Deny yourself. Take up the cross and ask for a position. Step into leadership. Step into uh, anything. Request to be in charge. Uh, the first responsibility 
after you've denied yourself is to follow. To follow. It's not to lead. It is to follow. It is in that submission. That is where our power in spiritual authority comes from, is in submission. And it is submission to God, but it is also in submission to spiritual leadership in which God has instituted that he has placed over the church. It is a God-designed plan. We didn't come up with it and say, I'm rising to power, and I'm going to become a new monarch in my own kingdom. And, and No, that's not what it is. This is a God thing. This is not... I, I, Hey, I've got better ways to come up with money and, and come up with, a, I could create a great religion. It just would be powerless. But this God-ordained thing and in submission that there is power. Jesus also reveals some things to James and John. James and John were getting super excited. They, things were happening, man. Revivals starting to happen. Miracles were taking place. And James and John like, we got to get on this boat first. And so they came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, uh, hey, it really doesn't matter to us left or right. But, hey, we want to be first and second, and I'll go left or I'll go right, doesn't matter. But just, we want to be on your left and right hand of your throne. When you come into your power, we want to be, we want to be on the left and the right. And it made a lot of the disciples upset. Like, what? how do you get off requesting the, why didn't I think of that first? That's probably what they were actually thinking. Man, why didn't I beat James and John? I could have said, uh, but James and John didn't understand how this thing works. It's not traditional things that they had uh, realized in the past, that this is not how spiritual authority comes. And so in Mark 10, verse 43, Jesus begins to explain it to them. He says, but so shall it be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. Now, I have to pause in that verse because we say minister, and we're thinking of the person in the pulpit, the music minister, someone leading in some worship. That's not what this means here. This means a servant. So he said, whoever's going to be great among you must first be a servant. And in case they didn't catch it, he goes on into the next verse, and he clarifies it a little bit more. But whosoever of you will be the chiefest, the greatest, shall be servant of some, of all. Of all. That's some pretty powerful words, but I won't dwell there long. Jesus reveals truth about the kingdom. It is not like the secular world, the business world. Uh, in, in fact, it's kind of amazing. Some of the business world's coming back to this mentality. You'll hear the, the term servant leadership tossed around a lot. It's because it works. It's not just in spiritual things, but in physical things as well. But that's not typically how a business leadership works. You come in, you conquer, you step up, you take charge, you take authority, you terminate people, you rearrange things. You, you, if you're a new uh, upper level management, you turn the house upside down when you come in because you are demonstrating your proficiency, how good you are, how, how, how powerful your mind is, and you're going to take lead initiative. But that's not how things work in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we step out and we serve. We step out and we follow spiritual leadership and we follow God. And most all leaders of the Old Testament and many of the New Testament that we understand kind of a little bit about who they were before they assumed a position, we find out that one, first they, they, they thought so poorly of themselves. And I'm not saying we have to have low self-esteem. That's not what I'm talking about. A lot of these people did not have low self-esteem. They just didn't think that they were worthy to step into such a great calling. 
And as a result, they presented themselves a living sacrifice that it's just, okay, God, if this is what you're calling me to do, I'll just do it. Here's all of me. And when they submitted all of themselves to the spirit that, that God began to anoint them and use them. One of my favorite is Stephen. Stephen in the New Testament, uh, they need to feed the widows. There, there's just, and, and the, the apostles like, we ain't got time to do it. It needs to be done. And, and so they look for a man of God that is filled with the Holy Ghost to wait tables. Now, I've preached and taught about this before, so I won't go into great detail. But Stephen, he was full of the Holy Ghost, but they didn't call him to be the first evangelist. They didn't call him to be the first one into some new field. They said, Stephen, you're full of the Holy Ghost. Can you come wait tables? Now, he could have thought, well, that's my way in. And when I ain't waiting tables, I'm going to go out here and start my own crusade. I'm going to do my own. No. He said, all right, if that's what you want, I'll wait tables. But here's what happened that we failed to understand, that in Stephen's submission, the apostles were not doing anything different than they ever did before right? They were preaching and praying just like they ever did before. But as soon as Stephen and the others submitted to that spiritual authority, it says that there was great revival. It was a great revival because widows were being fed. That had nothing to do with revival. I present to you that it was in submission that came great power and authority. And not only was there great revival in the church, but it says, then Stephen did great wonders and miracles among the people. Why? Because he was the, the, a great crusader and a great preacher? No, he allowed himself to be submitted to spiritual authority. And as a result, there was a revival that happened in the church. Hey, we want rev book of Acts revival. Let me tell you, it's going to be a book of Acts mentality. God, I submit to you, and I submit to spiritual leadership. And even when I don't agree with him, I'm going to get behind them. And, and they may be, I'm going to save that for a little bit. Sometimes we're wrong. But I tell you, there is a spiritual authority regardless when we submit to spiritual authority. If we rejoin King Saul, his servant's heart is being rewarded. He is anointed king. He's given this new heart, this anointing that comes, and he begins to prophesy. Everyone's blown away. He's submitting. It's a servant's heart. He's submitting to God. He's submitting to the spiritual leadership of, of Samuel, and, and as a result, he is placed in king. He's victorious in battle. He, it's, it's better than anything that they had hoped for. He is so powerful. This is, this is what they had dreamed of. This is what they had wanted, but something happens by the time we move from chapter 10 to chapter 13 is that Saul begins to rise up into his own, and what do I mean that? He realizes he's pretty good pretty good at this. Saul is waiting on the man of God to show up and sacrifice before they go to fight the Philistines. And so he's waiting. He waits one day. All right, Samuel, I know you're the man of God, but you're going to have to hear from God quicker. Samuel doesn't show. Day two, where's Samuel? Day three, day four. I mean, he would pick up a cell, but it just, you know, that's, there was no cell service in that area. And, and so day five, day six, day seven, and Samuel says, that, oh, he's afraid that, that, that the Philistines are going to come down and they wouldn't make sacrifice to God. And it's so vital to him. And part of his mentality is correct. I've got to sacrifice to God. We must have favor with God before we go into battle. And so he decides that he's going to offer the sacrifice himself. And so he does. He offers a sacrifice because it's important. I, I want to make sure that we have favor with God before we go to fight the Philistines. And he offers the sacrifice himself. Now, first off, I want to, to present to you that there is no mention that Saul did any of it incorrectly. He, 
whatever the process was. There's no mention that he did it wrong, got it incorrect, did it out of the wrong sequence, even did it for the wrong reason. But what we find is that he elevated himself beyond the submission of Samuel because Samuel's taken too long. I'm waiting for a decision, Samuel. I'm waiting for you to show up, and you ain't here, so I'm just going to take my own authority. And so he elevated his level of spiritual leadership and did it himself. 1 Samuel 13, verse number 11, and Samuel said, what hast thou done? Samuel finally gets there after day seven. He says, what have you done? What were you thinking? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me, that thou camest not within the days appointed. It was a nice way of saying, you was late, boy. I waited. I was willing to do whatever you wanted, but you was late. And thou camest not within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered themselves together in mishmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. So the intention was right. He did everything right, except that he was no longer in submission to Samuel. And I forced myself, therefore, I like it. It's already starting to get this. I, I forced, I didn't want to. How many times have we ever, well, pastor, I didn't want to, but I, I had to force. And, and that'd be one thing if you forced yourself to fast, but it's never in that context. Well, pastor, I really just, I wanted to eat, but I forced myself not. No, it's usually, uh, pastor, I didn't want to do it, but there, there was no one else around, so I just did it. It felt good. <laughs> I forced myself, Samuel, and I offered the burnt offering. Verse 13, and Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. It goes on. I don't have those scriptures, but he's saying he would have established your kingdom forever. But because you elevated yourself beyond submission, you're done. Now, he does not take the anointing from, from Saul here, but that's coming. And, and I would read you. Saul's response, the apology that Saul offers for offering a sacrifice. I'd love to read you that apology, but you won't find one. You don't find recorded in Scripture that Saul says, Oh, Samuel, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Renew a right heart within me. Give me what I had at the first. Let me be in submission. You don't find that. Now, we find it somewhat different in David. When David is confronted, David's response is somewhat different. But Saul, you don't find the apology. Samuel did not meet Saul's timeline. He did not tell him what he wanted. He did not do what he wanted, when he wanted. This was a test of Saul's submission. It's real easy to say, I'm behind you, pastor. Amen, pastor. Preach it, pastor. God, I will follow you everywhere, anywhere. Wherever the Spirit leads, I will follow. And this is the case as long as the pastor or the Spirit is leading you into places and things that you already believe. It's real easy then. As long as the evangelist is stepping on somebody else's toes and leaving you well enough alone, oh man, I'll follow that evangelist anywhere. As long as the prompting of the Spirit is directing you to do things that you're already doing, man, this is, this is good stuff. Man, I like this stuff. I'll follow you anywhere, God. But what happens when there's conflict? What happens when the Spirit directs you in a way that, I don't know. 
What happens when the pastor says or directs you in some way, asks you to do something, directs you in a way that conflicts with what it goes against every moral, not moral fiber, but every fleshly fiber of your body, and it just doesn't even make sense to you. I present that's when true submission actually happens. Because before that point, you were both on the same path, headed the same direction, but you were not, we were not being led. We agree just because he agreed with what we were already thinking. And at the moment that there is disagreement, we are no longer in submission. We are no longer being led. It's amazing that when there is that prompting of the Spirit or when pastor would speak to us and we don't agree, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to prove him wrong. That's not the way I grew up hearing it, Pastor, and I know you're wrong somehow. Who were kidding? I, I love what Victor Jackson said in, at, at HYC, and it's 100% the truth. We said, well, I got in the Word. You Googled it. You Googled it. And you read some theologians who you don't know, and it agreed with you, so now you don't agree with your pastor. You are not in submission. And let me tell you, you are in a dangerous situation because you're going to sit under somebody and not be in submission to them. You have discounted all spiritual authority in your life. You said, mm, I don't need it. I'll get my own. And not only that, we, we will look up Scripture and that validates our thinking and we will take it and bend it out of context because it agrees with our, our theology. And, and, and we, will, we will discount what our pastor says because it's not the way I grew up. It's not what I believe. And we'll do all of this to justify ourselves, to validate our beliefs, to confirm our thinking, to protect our actions, to prove that holiness is not what somebody, what pastor said it was. I'm going to prove that my desires are okay and that I am well justified in saying, Pastor, yes on everything else, but no on this. Let me tell you, you don't have a pastor. I'm just being really frank with you. You don't have a pastor, and you're in a dangerous situation. Samuel, you're late, boy. I don't agree. And, and so I've got spirituality. I watched you do sacrifices how many times? I can do it inside now. I know exactly how to do it. And so I'll just do it, and I'll elevate myself. And if, if you're not here, I'll just do it. I know what I'm doing. Saul, you have failed the test of submission. The power, the spiritual authority that comes submission is slowly being drained from your spiritual life, and you don't even know it. Saul, you must wake up. This is why that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Since a living sacrifice is still alive, it is a manifest as complete, is manifested as complete submission to authority in our lives. You know, there are some churches, some of our apostolic churches that, that, that preach that you, part of holiness, that your sleeves should come down to at least your elbow. And uh, you don't hear pastor and I preach that for this church. Um, does, does that mean, uh, w w what does that mean? Uh, does that mean that the, those people in that church don't have to do it, that, that it's not a heaven or hell issue? No, for them, if they're under that pastor, it's a heaven or hell issue. Well, you don't preach it. No, we must be in submission to authority. 
That is the only way that we elevate ourselves spiritually. It's not like the business mindset of how the things work in the business world. No, we submit to authority, and then the spirit that was up on our pastor that is flowing down can flow into us and into our families, and then powerful things can happen. When we step outside of that flow of the spirit, it's pouring over here, but it's a little dry over here. Why? Because I'm not in submission to authority in my life. Well, I'll just, I'll just submit to God, and that'll be all right. Yeah, you've got to submit to God, but you also got to submit to spiritual authority in your life. Because Saul understood the Spirit. He did the principle and practice everything exactly 100% right, but he stepped out and above the spiritual authority that had been placed above him, and as a consequence, he lost. He failed the test of submission. When we do that, it says that, That's as rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In fact, that's what Samuel is going to tell Saul here just momentarily. And I'm not talking about, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not teaching this. This is what God placed in my heart. It's like word upon word. I had to record all Saturday. I've got uh, all these things. Even on Saturday as God was speaking to me, I'm speaking into uh, my phone and memo. So I've got to remember these words exactly as God is speaking to me. And and, and I'm not speaking this so that you somehow conform and I'm going to take you outside of something that's outside of the word of God. No, we're not changing doctrine at all. We still believe in holiness. We still believe in one God. This still repentance. It's still baptism in Jesus' name. It's still infilling of the Holy Ghost uh, with evidence of speaking in other tongues. There's nothing about that, but there are sometimes there are some things that the pastor is going to say that disagree with what we think, uh, and our power and authority is only going to become from our submission. You know, it was Moses who they thought was just a little off. He's too hard-headed. He's dug himself in a hole, and he's just trying to protect himself because he's led us so far down this way. And, and so Korah and, and all them began to stir up Jack because, of, well, I don't know if he's in the will of God. I don't know if he's what he was. I know when we came through the Red Sea and we danced on the other side of the Red Sea, that was a man of God. But now that we're out here in the wilderness and he's directing us in this way, and I don't see where we're going and I don't understand it, and therefore I no longer have submission to Moses. And, and I'm so thankful that we live in a day of grace because fire consumed them and the earth opened up and swallowed them. I would have been gone a long time ago if it was not for grace. That I can say, God, forgive me. That's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. I'm so thankful for grace. If we continue back with Saul, his submission continues to erode. By the time we get to chapter 15, Israel did battle against the Amalekites, and they were extremely victorious. It was not even close. I think it reaffirms inside of Saul, yeah, I don't need Samuel. I don't need him. I know what I'm doing. God's on my side. I know what I'm doing. But he doesn't realize the dangerous ground in which he is on. And so Samuel had told Saul before you go into battle, he said, when you go to Amalekites and you destroy them, God's going to do it. But he said, I want you to destroy everything. Every man, woman, child, every livestock, every sheep, every oxen. And it didn't even make sense. Why? We could use this. We could be prosperous from this. It does. Hey, let me tell you, sometimes the things that God directs, it doesn't make sense to an earthly mind. But when we submit 
to godly direction, let me tell you, powerful things will happen. Whether we understand the, the cause and effect or not, it comes in submission. That's our only response is that we deny ourselves and we follow. Submission is where the authority comes. They're extremely victorious. But Saul spared Agag's life that was the king of the Amalekites and brought him back as a prisoner. It makes sense, right? We're going to parade him through. The, everyone in Israel will know that God is God. That makes sense, right? Everyone's going to be behind us now. That makes sense. But that's not what God said. It's not what Samuel told him. Hey, we're going to take these livestock and we're going to take them back and we're going to offer sacrifices to God. God loves sacrifices, right? This is a good thing. This is, this is what God, but that's not, he was now no longer in submission to Samuel. And so he was operating on his own spiritual authority. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13, and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, this is Saul speaking, he says, blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. In other words, he said, I, because I was victorious, that means I'm godly. Oh, we got to be careful not about getting in that trap. That just because I got what I want when I wanted, that that means I'm in the will of God. Because I know some people that went to the grave, spiritual authority and powerhouses and never got anything that win or losses doesn't equate to being in the, in the will of God. But Saul had already convinced himself, I have performed the commandment of God. And Samuel said, what then this bleeding of the sheep that are in my ears? What about all these oxen which I hear? You just said you were victorious. You did exactly as the commandment of God. Then why do I hear all the sheep? Why do I hear all the oxen? And Saul said, they have brought them. He's still victorious. He's still reveling in his own authority. They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Sounds good. Sounds like what God would want, but that's not what Samuel had directed. Wherefore thou didst not, this is Samuel speaking, wherefore thou didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. What do you do? It was so simple, so easy. What were you doing? And Saul said to Samuel, yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Verse 21. But the people, let me tell you, it's always a blame game when you're not in submission. If you find yourself repeatedly, it's always somebody else's fault, you're not in submission somewhere. Because submit, submission doesn't care about appearances. Pride cares about appearances. And so pride will always say, it's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else. It never could be me. But submission says, yes, I understand. I messed up. Let me make it right. Let me have a repentant heart. He said, but the people, the people took of the spoils, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. 
And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. He said, I don't care about sacrifices. What I care about is submission. What I care about is obedience to the direction and the will of God in your life. And if you get that wrong, I could care less about how many sacrifices you do. You could sacrifice from morning to night. But if you are not submitted to spiritual authority in God in your life, it is of no value to you. Because you have elevated yourself to the spiritual authority in your life. And to hearken in the fat of ram. Samuel said, I don't care how spiritual you think you are without obedience to God. And submission to spiritual authority that I have over you, your spiritual spirituality is of no value. Your righteousness is as of filthy rags. Again, does that mean that the pastor is infallible? No. He's going to make mistakes every once in a while. There's going to be things, and, uh, but I promise you this, if you stay prayed up, it's not going to be about things that's going to lead somebody to hell. He may decide to paint the foyer yellow, and we all agree that that isn't a good color. Now, I'm making light of very serious things, but understand that our protection and our spiritual authority comes from submission. Without submission, we lose. We fail. Moses struck a rock. He was supposed to speak to it. Well, I ain't drinking that water. No, they drank that water. God dealt with Moses in a closed-door meeting between just the two of them. What are you saying? We must be in submission to spiritual authority because to obey is better than sacrifice. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's what Samuel is going on, verse number 23. He continues, he says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity of adultery. Even when it doesn't make sense, We're just going to sacrifice to God. That's a spiritual thing to do. You weren't in submission. That's rebellion. That's as witchcraft. That is sin to you. That's why I said, if you're sitting underneath a pastor and he's preaching some holiness of standard and you know, well, I agree with him on everything except that. So I ain't doing that because I think I got scripture that I read some theologian that says, and, and you're not in submission to that. Let me tell you, that's rebellion. And that's the word of God. I'm not making this stuff up. That's what we just read. It says the sin of rebellion. Verse 24, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. This almost sounds like he's coming to realize he's messed up. I've sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people. Again, somebody else's fault. It ain't mine. I'll take it this time. I'll take the hit this time, but it ain't my fault. It's not a repentant heart. Verse 25, now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin. It's a very high and lofty word. Pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. It's like, yeah, I messed up, but hey, do whatever you got to do. Let's get this show back on the road. Let's go. There's no repentant heart. I think that's why David, when he's confronted by the man of God, 
not only does he fall on his face and he admits, I've messed up, I've sinned, I was not in submission, I wasn't where I was supposed to be, and as a result of not being where I was supposed to be, I fell into sin. And David's response not only was that, but he says, hey, do whatever you have to do to me, but don't take thy holy anointing from me. Don't take your spirit from me. I'll walk as a beggar in the streets, but God, don't take your spirit from me. I will be in submission to you. I will obey you. I will follow you. But don't take your anointing from me because that was what was most valuable to him. He realized what caused Saul to fail was his inability to submit. And so I believe it's David looking back and says, you know what? Saul couldn't submit, but that will never be the case in my life. Yes, I'm going to mess up, but this one thing I know, when I realize my mistake, I'm going to say, yes, it was me. Yes, I was wrong. God, do whatever you got to do to me. But don't take your anointing from me. Let me walk in your spirit again. Let me submit again. Let me reestablish myself again. And I've got to hurry to a close. And if you think that a pastor gets pleasure out of seeing somebody get what they probably deserve, you got another thing. How many sleepless nights? God, don't let this happen. God, I know it's already started, but God, don't let it happen in their life. And we pray, and we beg, and we say, God, don't let it happen. And it's on our mind, and it torments us. And, and, and I thought maybe it was just me. I'm just weak until I saw Samuel. And after he realizes that God has removed his spirit from Saul, and he's no longer going to be king, that it grieves Samuel so much that day and night, even though he never saw Saul saw again. He grieved day and night saying, oh, for Saul. Oh, God, let him have another chance. Let him hear your voice again. And he grieved it. And finally, God had to speak to Samuel and said, why are you, how much longer are you going to grieve? It tore him up. It tore him up. And Saul is still king and doesn't have an anoint. It doesn't matter what position you're in. What position you're in? We can have a position and have no anointing. We can have a position and have no spiritual authority. But I promise everything that we will build will be in and of ourselves because it says that God builds the church. So if we are building the church, we must be in submission because that's how the spirit flows. That's how things happen. That's how revival happens is in that submission. So, Pastor, I don't, I don't want to just agree with you when you agree with me. I don't want to just go along and say, I'll follow you as long as you don't agree and mess with my theology and my ideas. But pastor, God, even when we don't agree, maybe we'll talk about it. But at the end of the day, I say, God, you've given me a pastor and I'll submit to his authority.
I'll do what he asks. It may, may not make sense. I may in and of myself think that I could do a better job. I could do a better sacrifice. I could say better words. I could do a better prayer. I could do this. I could do that. Oh, but don't let my flesh take over. Oh, God, I must be in submission, a spiritual submission, because that's where my anointing is going to come from. That's where my power is going to come from. That's where my authority is going to come from. If I want to go up to someone and lay hands on them and see the miraculous happen, it'll be because of my prayer life. It'll be because of my fasting, but it will also 100% be because I have submitted to, to spiritual authority in my life. And when they speak to me, and even when it's words I don't want to hear, I say, Pastor, if that's what you're saying, that's what we're going to do. Pastor, if that's what you want, that's what we're going to do. That's where the power comes from as we all stand. Just as your spirit will never, the spirit of God that's in you, the Holy Ghost will never disagree with the word of God. The spirit that's inside of you will never disagree with spiritual leadership. Your flesh will. But if you're prayed up and fasted up, and your pastor's prayed up and fasted up. There's never going to be a disagreement. If there's a disagreement, there's a problem going on. And before I search my pastor's heart, you better believe I'm going to get an altar and search my heart. God, what's going on here? I don't understand this. I don't understand what he's speaking this way. God, touch my heart. God. Do whatever you have to do because I can't risk losing the anointing. I've got a family that's dependent on me to have an anointing. I've got people's lives that are dependent on me to have an anointing. So God, change my heart and let there be a miraculous changing of a mind so that I can be a Stephen and I can step into a situation and with complete submission, suddenly there's revival and suddenly there are miracles and suddenly there is the miraculous that is done. Why? Because he's preaching revival? No, because Stephen is in submission to spirit leadership and authority above him and revival happens. Hey church, we're going to have a book of Acts revival and it's going to happen as we submit to spiritual authority and to the will of God and there will be revival. Can we ask God to let it be loose right now, Lord Jesus?